the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. Look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese. Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Winter is still with us and it's cold this morning, but hopefully the day will warm up with lots of sunshine. I'm looking out my window right now, and the skies are just blue. It's perfect. It's a perfect day. So, uh, woo! They promised a, a sunny day on Sunday, too. Well, we'll see how that goes. Still reminding myself that the first day of spring is March 20th. Just, just a stone's throw away. But we can't really complain. Thursday and Friday were beautiful. The sun's shining on everything with blue skies and some interesting clouds on the on the cold and cool days it's beautiful if you're in a nice warm place looking out on a beautiful day even if it's cold outside especially if you're looking out with a hot cup of coffee with you and uh, this week i finally saw some green shoots poking out through the ground little by little more each day i haven't seen the rabbit yet <laughs> The rabbit always comes along and just chops them right down. But hey, sooner or later we'll have enough enough green shoots to feed the little characters and 
They'll, let the, they'll, they'll go on the bigger and better things. The birds, there were the feeders, and I spotted one chipmunk scurrying across the uh, the ground this week. So I, I know there's, he's probably telling the rest of the gang, wake up, get out there, there's food out there. I know there will be more as spring arrives. Chipmunks are not welcome here, but that, they don't seem to care about my, whether I'm welcoming them or not. Officially, it'll be another three weeks before spring arrives. Until then, we'll have to be patient. We'll I'll spend my time indoors planning on what to do outside when the temperature warms up and the ground dries up a bit. Until then, we can look over our investments. We can do our finish up those uh, indoor tasks uh, that we're relegated to since we can't get outside. And we can, oh my Lord, we could even do our taxes and uh, yeah. even get some <laughs> yeah, financial. I even get some financial plans in order here. So this week, inflation continued to add volatility to the stocks and the bond markets. And, uh, you know, the the increase in the interest rates has certainly slowed down new home construction and existing home sales. But uh, consumers are finding other ways to spend their money and like new cars and travel and dining out in January. The, U.S. households increased personal spending by 1.8 percent. That's according to the latest U.S. Department of Commerce report on personal income and outlays for January of 2023. Uh, That was a bit of a pleasant surprise in a sense that, hey, it shows the strength of the economy, uh, particularly after personal spending had kind of decreased, uh, it really did decrease two-tenths of a percent in November and one-tenth of a percent in December, and suddenly it jumps up 1.8% in uh, January, which is kind of good news and bad news. It's good news that the uh, people are spending and, uh, you know, the uh, Social Security has gone up and... uh, and the, probably there's a lot of bonuses, bonus money left over from uh, December and stuff like that. But again, uh, uh, it also adds to inflation. So recent data indicates that consumers have shifted their spending more towards the services, which include uh, uh, travel and uh, dining out and sports events and stuff like that. And those increases in demand are getting met with uh, higher prices as service providers are raising the wages and uh, facing increased costs for supplies and things of this nature. So um, the goods part is still there, but primarily right now in the autos, uh, they finally have figured out how to get the chips uh, and uh, get them into the cars. So. Apparently, uh, auto sales went up, too. The other surprise this week, this week was the increase in inflation, as presented by the U.S. Department of Commerce report. Uh, investors were expecting inflation to go down, and, oh, and that's the old mantra down. This is, we're heading for 2%. Well, we took a detour here. Uh the Department of Commerce reported that the U.S. Federal Reserve preferred measure of inflation, which is the Personal Consumption Expenditure Price Index. Uh, they used that along with the 
CPI, the Consumer Price Index report, uh, Federal Reserve likes the personal consumption expenditure price index, uh, but I prefer this CPI. And they, they noticed that the uh, personal consumption expenditure price uh, index had increased in January. So inflation was expected to decrease, but lo and behold, it increased. If you take a look at uh, the numbers that were presented in uh, uh, the latest report, shows that the uh, uh, personal consumption expenditure uh, for the month of January increased to six-tenths of 1%. And uh, for the 12 months ending in January, it increased uh, 5.4%. And uh, if you take away the food and fuel, food and energy, uh, and get down to the core uh, personal consumption expenditure, uh, it also increased only six, not only, it increased uh, six cents of 1% in January. And uh, in the 12 month period ending in January, they went up uh, uh, 4.7%. Uh, uh, comparing that to the big surprise was if we compare January to December, uh, what we're seeing is that the a 12-month uh, prediction for uh, the 12-month number for January was 5.4, whereas in December it was 5.3. So uh, that number was expected to go down uh, to 4.9, but uh, it, it went up to 5.4. And if you eliminate, if you take uh, food and fuel out of the equation, then the uh, 12-month inflation number for, for the core uh, personal consumption expenditure was 4.7 versus the previous month of 4.6. So suddenly inflation uh, just stopped going down and eased up a little bit. Uh, even more concerning was the uh, month, uh, uh, how much it moved in January itself, not the 12-month number, but the one-month number. For January, the uh, personal consumption expenditure just for the month of January was six-tenths of 1% versus in December, it was two-tenths of 1%. So those things could be uh, changed by way of uh, increases in food and energy and things of this nature. But when you go to the core numbers, the core uh, personal expenditure, the consumption expenditure for January, in January it went up six tenths of one percent, but the previous month it only went up four tenths of one percent. So yeah, generally, that kind of behavior indicates that there would be problems in the future too. And the numbers were a surprise because the estimated. Uh, uh, numbers that before the actual numbers uh, were presented in the report, uh, they were expecting numbers like uh, the uh, average, uh, the monthly number would go up uh, four tenths of one percent rather than six tenths of one percent. So, and the 12 month number for uh, January uh, would have gone up uh, 4.9 percent. 
rather than the reported number of 5.4%. So there's a big difference between what was expected and what came across. And if you take a look at the, ex, you know, excluding food and fuel, uh, you see that the 12-month number for the core personal consumption expenditure uh, was estimated originally to be 4.3, but it came in at 4.7. So I prefer the estimated numbers, but uh, that's for the Federal Reserve to figure out the uh, both the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge uh, unexpectedly accelerated in January, and consumer spending surged after a year-end uh, slump, and that added pressure to the Federal Reserve in terms of ratcheting up the interest rates. Uh, this week, uh, Treasury yields rose as uh, traders noticed their uh, numbers, and they firmed up the bets that the uh, Federal Reserve would increase interest rates by a quarter of a percent in each of the next three meetings. Uh, those would be, uh, they got the March meeting, that's March 21st and 22nd, I think. And then you got the May meeting and then you got the June meeting. Uh, when the Federal Reserve was talking in, uh, oh, the last time they were talking was that the February 1st, uh, meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee meeting, and uh, they were talking that there would be possibly a pause. They would raise it and maybe another quarter of a percent increase, and then there would be a, a pause maybe after the March or maybe after the May. But uh, right now, the the, uh, the bond market is uh, uh, penciling in uh, uh, three increases, not just two. So. And uh, and and also, investors are expecting that uh, the Federal Reserve is going to uh, revise its its uh, what they call its terminal federal funds rate. Right now, uh, the Federal Reserve is thinking about raising the uh, federal funds rate up to uh, somewhere between five and five point two. Uh, we'll see if it goes. Uh, all these new ideas. Uh, uh, force them to move it up even higher. The increased spending and the stubborn inflation suggest that the Fed's path to uh, training prices and demand is going to be bumpier and uh, longer than the, uh, you know, than the numbers for late 2022 had indicated. Uh, while that could uh, bolster policymakers' resolve to raise borrowing costs higher than anticipated and keep them there for a longer period of time, it may also increase the risk of a recession. In other words, basically, <clears throat> a recession is always a probable is always a possibility out there when you when your Federal Reserve is increasing the rates strictly because the when the Federal Reserve does something, there's a delay or time lag between the time it makes its move and when the economy really reacts to it. So if there wasn't that time lag, then the Federal Reserve could kind of creep up and say, oh, you know, we made a move and instantaneously the the uh, economy slowed down or did something so they could immediately uh, uh, change their move. Uh, but with this delay, 
Uh, the Federal Reserve is never quite sure uh, whether they passed the line already that uh, in terms of interest rates where they've laid the foundation for a recession. So uh, sooner or later, they're going to, when you're getting up into these numbers like uh, uh, 5% and maybe 5.5% and stuff like that, uh, you're kind of accepting the idea that, hey, uh, we're going to cause a a recession. So uh, you won't know about it until it happens. But uh, uh, at that point, then they'll have to go into recovery mode from there. So uh, so basically, the Federal this gives the Federal Reserve a problem and a headache in terms of what are we going to do now in terms of uh, uh, should we go for a quarter of a percent to the next meeting Increase in the federal funds rate or half a percent. Uh, how long? How many uh, meetings before we uh, 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 before we what do you call it? They're gonna they're gonna pause uh, pause meeting that they'll bring it up to a certain point. Let's say it's five point two five, and then they'll sit there for a certain period of time. They were criticized uh, before when they were racing at. at uh, three quarters of a percent at every meeting, and the criticism was that hey, uh, you're moving it so you're moving the, the interest rates so fast that uh, uh, you're not quite sure whether you've uh, passed the rate at which we are going to cause a recession. Uh, so why don't you just slow down? And that basically they slowed down into this uh, uh, quarter of a percent that they increased in February first. So resilient uh, consumer spending uh, paired with exceptional strength makes it even more difficult for the Federal Reserve to get to its uh, 2% target. So uh, federal officials, particularly Jerome Powell, he's the chairman, emphasized the importance of uh, price growth and the so-called core services uh, in the inflation outlook, this category, which is largely Wage dependent includes everything from healthcare to haircuts, and the Federal Reserve uh, has uh, commented about the tight labor market and how difficult it is going to be to get inflation down to two percent when they're seeing raises, uh, workers' raises in the orders of uh, uh, five and six percent per now. So. Uh, the Federal Reserve would really like to see raises, those raises, be in the category of 2 to 3%, not to 5 and 6%. Uh, so let's take a second and go to our phones. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. Can I help you this morning? Yes. Hello. Hello, Jim. Yes, yes. hi. Um, Jim, enjoy your show. Hey, I have Thank a you. question that uh, frustrates me in how economists report out on inflation. How can economists take out fuel and food and then report on inflation when, in reality, you know, the average consumer can't take out fuel out of their budget or food? It seems disingenuous that... Uh, well, the, the that reason the, they do that, yeah, the, the reason they yep, do that is because they, they really don't have any, the Federal Reserve doesn't have any control over food or fuel. In other words, uh, uh, they look at the other. They, they look at a basket of goods 
and in like in the consumer price index, they look at a basket of goods, and uh, they've got all sorts of things there, everything from health insurance to uh, automobile insurance to shelter to food. They even break food down into five or six categories. They break energy down into five or six categories. And they get, they get right down into the details. Now, if they raise the rates or lower the rates, uh, they've got a reasonable idea of how that's going to change uh, the, the spending habits of the American people. But food and fuel are international commodities. In other words, the, the fuel prices are determined by uh, basically OPEC plus, plus Russia, and uh, uh, food prices are determined by, uh, you know, by the world. In other mm-hmm. words, we export tons and tons of, of grains and soybeans and corn and everything else. So uh, they have no control over it. So they kind of compartmentize it. They show you what it's going to show you what it's doing, but uh, they don't pay they don't pay that much attention to it because they can't control it. Does that make sense? So they only so they only report out the things that they can control on, which well, I guess they, that's they the report correct, them. that the average consumer is, you know, we're, we're dealing with inflation as an aggregate. It just exactly. seems like, dis, you know, you know, they, disingenuous. Well, it, it, it's a process by which they can talk, you know, and basically what you have in this whole thing is a, is the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve officials, uh, they can concentrate on on the, the core, what they call the core CPI numbers, right. the core of personal consumption expenditure. Now they can also discuss uh, what the overall numbers are, you know, including food and fuel. But they can discuss them, but they can't really control them, you know. You, yeah. You saw what did what, what did gasoline go up to five dollars? What's five dollars right. or something? I think, and everybody right. was, you know, what am I going to do? You know, the president's standing there. He wants to do something. Everybody wants to do something, but hey, right, uh, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, he did a little bit I, about it with regard to yeah. the uh, national reserves. Uh, reserves, right? Out there. Yeah, so. But, I think uh, the challenge then is that, yeah, that makes sense. I think the challenge then is then the, you know the Reuters and the the newspapers pick up um, the discussion around core only, and it, it's just you know, that's what they report on, and it's really not accurate yeah. in my opinion because the average person's out yeah. there dealing with you know all of it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's 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 good for the economists, and the economists can talk about it, got it, and uh, get into it, but. You and I are out there pumping gas and uh, Got it. and buying food, and uh, it hurts. So, okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> words, words of consolation. Okay, have a good day. Thanks for calling. You, you too. Now. Thank you. Bye bye, Chad. All right, bye bye. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Now. Let's go back to where we were in terms of saying, okay, what's happening uh, this week, and uh, what's going to uh, uh, what's going to affect what we do in terms of our investment. So, 
if we take a look at the, the January news, it talks about increased spending and increased inflation. That comes as a surprise, but we got to remember January is always a big month for seasonal board, seasonal adjustments, you know, to the economic data and revision of past economic data. In other words, you read these reports, and these reports typically the good ones, anyhow, like the home construction and stuff like that. They'll show you uh, the adjusted annual numbers. But they'll also show you the actual numbers in terms of how many homes were constructed this week or that week and, or uh, this month and that month. So uh, you can get a flavor for how much the uh, seasonable adjustment is. In other words, they move uh, these numbers up and down based upon their experts' best guess as to uh the seasonable seasonal adjustment. So uh, that makes uh, historical uh, comparisons uh, difficult. You know, like in January, there was a comprehensive overhaul of the underlying data in the uh, government reports uh, for July through September, estimates for compensation, personal taxes, contributions for government, social insurance, uh, they basically reflect the incorporation of updated third third quarter wage and salary data. So, uh, which means that the the January data was unique in the sense that it was based upon revised histor- historical data. Uh, at the same time, layering on top new numbers for January, which also incorporate several fundamental changes as a result of the uh, new year. So the bottom line is when you're working with January data, be it in, in the sales numbers and the spending numbers and the inflation number, the bottom line is that uh, the revisions and the adjustments in January, uh, you got to take a look at the, the final result with kind of a grain of salt and that the numbers resulting from this combination of uh, Various historical revisions, seasonal adjustments, approximations that have magically, you know, uh, increased uh, people's savings. I mean, like the the, the spending went up one point eight percent. The increase in the income only went up six tenths of the one percent. So, i.e., the idea here is that the people must be drawing, consumers must be drawing on their savings to increase increase their spending. But there is there <laughs> that it shows that their savings have increased. They decreased up to four point seven percent. So yeah, you just have to take it with a with a don't go running off and, and because basically what you're gonna you may see you may see uh, uh, a one month adjustment which will probably revert to uh, uh the usual spending and savings numbers in the coming months. And, uh, you know, we'll go over the details in this uh, increased personal savings and and increased uh, personal consumption expenditures later in the show, too. Let's go back to the phones again. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. Can I help you? Hello? Yeah, hi, Jim. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. 
Um, I have, uh, I've been a client of yours for a number of years now, and we're obviously, like a lot of people, not real pleased with the way the economy's gone, but there's little we can do about that. I've, mm-hmm. I trusted your discretion on our funds. Um, the question I have is estate planning. Uh, we went to one of these symposiums not too long ago, just, and I just wanted to hear what I may be missing. Okay, and okay. he brought up a number of subjects that I I was unclear about, and uh, quite frankly, they do their best to try to frighten you. So I think he he asked some <laughs> questions which I was really uh, unprepared for. But anyway, uh, what are your thoughts on estate planning services? I know you you were doing financial planning, which is fine and dandy, but as far as the total. Uh, life cycle goes, you know, I'm, I'm talking, he was talking about uh, lawsuits and losing everything we have, da-da-da-da-da, this kind of stuff, and then protecting our IRA assets when it's transferred to the kids, which uh, I think you've got set up properly, but that doesn't mean that they don't pay any taxes at all on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. In fact, I think it, it, they may be paying more taxes once it transfers to them. Uh, and then again, there's nursing. So basically, overall, what are your thoughts on estate planners and going to that service? Oh, boy. <laughs> I was getting a little bit of an echo, I know. I, I was going to say, you're going you're gonna to have me talking for the rest of the hour. But let, let's talk about uh, just uh, basic finance, basic estate planning. Uh, and the, the issue uh, with estate planning is that the, when you get the lawyers in there, you suddenly start to talk about trusts and uh, things of this nature. But let's go back to the basics. The basics in estate planning are you have your uh, your beneficiary forms, and the beneficiary forms are the most critical things in the in the uh, estate planning. There is also a will, and uh, uh, any money that's in the financial institutions will travel by way of the beneficiary form. So uh, any hard goods, any assets, like a house and stuff like that, will be transferred by way of the will in probate court. So there's no probate court with regard to the... I got to say this because this is my, we always have to say this. I'm not a, a lawyer and I'm not giving legal advice. So don't, don't right. run out and take this thing. Always check with a, with a lawyer that you really trust. So what happens is that if uh, typically with a couple, uh, uh, the, the, your beneficiary is generally your spouse and your spouse, her primary beneficiary is you, and the secondary beneficiaries are the children. Okay, so if something happens to you, um, the money in the mutual funds or the brokerage accounts or the insurance uh, company or the pension plan, that money is going to go to the beneficiary. Okay, and all the beneficiary has to do is show up and say, I'm the beneficiary. Of course, the 
financial institutions, be it a bank, uh, insurance company, credit union, whatever, they've got that name on file as the, who's the beneficiary. And uh, that person has to identify themselves. And they generally a, a, uh, a driver's license. And they also have to produce a death certificate. Who died? Okay. At that particular point, those those assets in the bank or the brokerage or mutual fund will be transferred to this new owner who's the beneficiary of it. And it'll be the same portfolio and it'll have it'll have a new name on it. That's all the new name of the beneficiary. And with regard to the house, uh, it'll uh, the uh, administrator uh, will basically uh, have duties with regard to the, the what he's supposed to do in terms of the will. He's supposed to pay the bills. He's supposed to pay the taxes, and he's supposed to distribute it according to uh, the uh, writing of the will. You know, who's supposed to get this money? You're supposed to sell the house. What are you supposed to do with this stuff? Okay, so there it is. You got the beneficiary forms, and then you got the the will for the hard assets. Now, in a lot of cases, that's sufficient. In most cases, that's sufficient. Now we come along with the trust. Okay, now you can have a uh, revocable trust or non-revocable trust. So people start to say about, well, you need a a, uh, a trust. Some cases you do, some cases you don't. Uh, most cases, like I say, if somebody dies, the money goes to their spouse, and the spouse dies, the money goes to the children. Uh, now, if you want, if you look at your children and say, well, I don't trust these. <laughs> I don't trust these their financial uh, uh, education. So I'm going to put a trust in there that says that they can't get to this money until they're graduated from college or, um, you know, they're married or something like that. That that, that trusts are used to uh, control the spendthrifts in the children. Also, trusts are useful for uh, people with second and second marriages where you have a fairly confused idea, not a confused idea, it, it's you have her children, his children, their children. And the question is, uh, if you die, uh, what's going to happen? You know, if you don't have a trust, then uh, it goes to the spouse, and then it's up to the spouse to decide whether they want to disinherit your children or... or uh, or what they want to do. So one process is to use a trust to can basically control from the grave in complicated situations. Uh, the wills and the and the beneficiaries are short-term instruments. Uh, if somebody dies, that whole thing should be cleared up in three months. Uh, if you want to control for the next 10 years or 20 years, then you need a trust. And that's what they basically the lawyers uh, will sell. Uh, and uh, that's where things become very complicated. And uh, uh, if you have uh, youngsters that you 
uh, are young, and you probably do need a trust in terms of uh, controlling that money until they're uh, able to control it themselves. Uh, you also mentioned the liability. Uh, uh, the, the, the liability of, of uh, um, that's basically what you have uh, insurance for. In other words, if you take a look at look at your property and casualty insurance, uh, you see, uh, hey, you've you got your cars insured, your house is insured, and you've got an umbrella, which is basically big enough to encompass your total net worth. So let's say you're worth $5 million bucks. Okay, you look at it and you say, okay, I need an umbrella that's going to cover this stuff. Uh, in case somebody uh, get involved in a car accident or uh, somebody uh, uh, falls down on my property. So uh, that's where you cover that particular liability. Now, you could say in the case of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, your child who's going to inherit this money, uh, if you have it in a trust, then if there's a divorce or something like that, then the, the trust will protect uh, uh, against the uh, uh, the other party in the divorce uh, taking half of that money. So it, it's... Let me ask you... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's one, a good question. Big, <laughs> Go ahead. One big question is, as a, how do you say, a novice in this area... How would I know whether I can trust a particular estate planner? Is there something I should be looking for? In other words, we've heard of these stories of these guys are bilking seniors that are, that don't know anything about what's going on, and that's what scares the hell out of me. And I I like to think I've got all my capacity right now, and I don't want that to happen. Okay. Um, hmm. Good well, question, right? <laughs> that's a good question. Who, who do you trust? Uh, uh, you know, basically, if you want to sit down and talk to me, I'll, I'll be glad to go over with you in great detail. I don't know whether okay. I can go over it in great detail on the radio, but certainly oh, I, right, realize, yeah. I, I realize your concern. You know, you want to make sure everything is... Uh, uh, done right and done uh, get the most get everything protected as much as possible without right uh, without just putting up all sorts of nonsense that you know the, these trusts are, are burdensome too if you're if right. you're uh, 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 under the if you're controlled by the trust you know you got well, to trust I'll, tell you what, I'll, I'll just call your yeah, office and we'll set up an appointment and we'll go from there. Because right. I, I know you good. can't get into specifics. The last thing you want to do is start talking about a, a either a competitor or a uh, or someone that is <laughs> liable to file suit with you. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, that's thank good. you. All right, you take care. Have okay. a good one. This is Bye-bye. Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. 
Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You know, I was talking before about, you know, surprises. Oh, we're getting surprises anymore in the, in the stock market, in the bond market. So basically, uh, you know, I was talking about take, take a lot of this stuff with a grain of salt, too, because the, the January data is kind of surprising naturally by itself. So. If you take a look at what we learned, we first we we started this year. We were hit with a strong labor market. It was supposed to be an increase in the payroll of about 180,000 jobs. It turned out the, the report came in at 517,000, which exceeded the estimate by almost a factor of three. And then we got the strong retail and food services. Uh, sales in January. They were up 3%, which is an unheard of number. And then the strong industrial production, you know, manufacturing was supposed to be down, but then it's up uh, 1% in, uh, in March, or no, 1% in January. And then we got uh, uh, stronger producer prices. They came in at uh, 6% per year. And uh, seven tenths of one percent in January. So uh, then the CPI for January showed some progress, but it was less than expected. Uh, the CPI number, twelve month number for December, came in at six point five, and the, the, the January number only went down to six point four, which was kind of uh, you know a surprise. We expected it to go down to. 6.2. All right. All these unexpected strengths in the economy, uh, you know, have uh, have caused the Federal Reserve officials to talk about raising the limits on the uh, uh, the uh, federal funds rate. So the federal funds rate right now uh, stands at four and a half to four and three quarters, with another quarter of a percent possible in. Uh, March, uh, March 22nd, I think it is. And then the bond markets are signaling another uh, quarter of a percent increase in May uh, to bring the federal funds rate up to five to five and a quarter percent. And so uh, uh, now we're talking about uh, 
uh, increases in the uh, uh, consumer uh, spending. We're also in co- talking about suddenly uh, one of the inflation measurements shows an increase in inflation. So basically, it's uh, it, all of this is putting pressure on the uh, uh, Federal Reserve in terms of increasing rates. And of course, when the rates increase, that always impacts the uh, the stock market in terms of uh, uh, the stock prices, uh, and also increases the as the interest rates go up, the value of the bonds goes down. So it's uh, it's kind of we're in for surprise after surprise after surprise here. So let's just talk about a summary of what we saw this week. Okay. Uh, Let's just take the time out and hello, hello, John. How are you? Hello, fine. John. Since you are being asked some big questions, let me ask you many big questions as an oxymoron. But anyway, it always bothered me. Devils in details. We got a GDP and national debt ratio. Japan has been for many years two hundred thirty-seven percent. I'm looking at the numbers of the mm-hmm. the debt is ratio to GDP, and Italy, 135, USA, 107, and Netherlands, 48, Mexico, 46, Australia, 45, Switzerland, 44. The interesting thing Mm -hmm. is the so-called, I don't want to call it so-called because I don't want to read between the lines, the socialist countries, Norway, 40%, Mm -hmm. Sweden, 35, Denmark, 30. Are they borrowing and spending it wisely better than us, or are they more productive than U.S.? I don't understand that part. Devil in the details. <laughs> well, I... I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, the world is at the door. We always say that, and uh, uh, you know, there, there's always I, two sides I, to it. I think it says President Truman who said, on one hand and the other hand, you know? He said, what is the right. third hand? I don't know. There's no economic advisors <laughs> for the third hand. But you, the... No, I don't think you, any data shows that any task that has resulted in recouping the revenue lost in any hist- any historical numbers. Am I right? Yeah, right. So, <laughs> basically, what you have to worry anyway, about. Anyway, let's is enjoy the thing. And after all, sometimes facts are stranger than fiction, right? Oh, bye bye. Okay. Hey, enjoy, hey enjoy the program. What Keep is, up the good work. Yeah. Take care, John. Thanks for calling. Hey, one of the things you see in terms of uh, the national debt is that uh, the United States right now, this national debt stands at $31.4 trillion, which is basically about $94,000 for every man, woman, and child in the United States. So that's a little much. So we basically got to get it down, and uh, which sounds easy enough to say, but what you look at is there's a great swell of of uh, demand from the uh, uh, from I guess from the voters that say oh we want more government services and stuff like this. Well, uh, if you want more government services, uh, sooner or later you're going to have to pay for them. Uh, you can't just keep putting them on the cuff on the credit card and. Uh, hoping that somebody is going to buy your bonds. That's particularly true for the United States. You know, Japan is uh, Japan has got this huge debt. Uh, 
but most of the Japanese debt is held by the Japanese people. The United States is in this uh, situation where just about everybody in the world buys uh, bonds, and uh, that's particularly true right now because of the high interest rates that we have. So uh, we've got to get to the point where we get our debt down, which means uh, we've got to get these deficits down. In other words, the difference between the debt, the deficit is the deficit is uh, how much do I owe? How much have I increased the debt this year, this fiscal year? And uh, that's running into the trillions of dollars. And then those deficits are added to the national debt. And I can't keep spending. I can't. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I can no longer afford my politicians. <laughs> my politicians are spending too much money too fast. So I basically have to get to a point where they slow down to get to the, de- the annual deficit, get it down to zero, and then you can start working on uh, keeping the national debt down and at the same time work on issues that we have in the uh, promises that we've made people made to people with regard to Social Security and uh, Medicare and uh, uh, things of this nature. There's issues and problems that we have to uh, solve in the next several years. So, uh, Gordon, uh, John, we, hey, you know, you and I, everybody knows that we're spending too much, too fast, and uh, uh, we're, what are we doing? Uh, I have the foggiest idea myself. So uh, <laughs> that's that's enough on that particular uh, subject. You could have me going up for another hour here. Let's talk about what happened this week. Global equities were mostly down this week, except for China. And in the U.S., the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones Industrials, uh, the uh, Standard & Poor 500, the NASDAQ Composite, were all down for the week. Well, in the U.K., the FTSE 100 was down for the week. And in the European Union, uh, they were down. Also, Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were down. In Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down for the week. But in China, China, the Shanghai Composite was up, while, while Hong Kong, Hang Seng, was down for the week. So on Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed the week at The Dow Jones closed at 32,816.92, and it was down uh, 2.99% for the week and down 1% for year-to-date. And if you take a look, the Standard & Poor 500, uh, it closed at 3,970.04. It was down 2.67% for the week, but was up 3.4% year-to-date. The NASDAQ Composite closed at 11,394.94, and it was down 3.33% for the week, but up 8.87% year-to-date. So all of these things... uh, you know, are putting the pressure on both the stocks and the bonds. 
the pressure is pushing the the uh, stock the bond yields up, which means that the bond prices are going down, and uh, the pressure on the stock market is pushing it down too, and because of the anticipation of the higher interest rates. Uh, now, if you take a look at what else happened this week, the home construction uh, was basically acting the way it uh, it should act in terms of, uh, of uh, uh, it's been laboring under these high interest rates. The 3% have gone away. And uh, now we're into the uh, higher interest rates. So uh, to me, it's uh, what we're seeing is uh, permits uh, for January. Uh, we're up one-tenth of 1%. Starts were down 4.5%. And in January to January of last year, uh, the permits were down 27% and the starts were down basically 21%. And let's talk about, uh, you know, just let's talk for a second about financial planning. <clears throat> and uh, the financial planning is basically boiling down to, do you know what your goals are? And do you, you have a good idea of your goals? Have you put them all down? And the essence of it is identify the goals. Uh, if your youngster is generally a new car or some sort of a car and and a apartment, as you get older, then you get into uh, starting the family, and the family requires uh, a standard of living. Uh, and also a house and mortgages and all the rest of the stuff that goes along with uh, a family. And then comes the education and then comes the retirement. And then if you got money for vacation homes or boats or uh, things of this nature, businesses, uh, then all that has to be put in there. And basically you have these set of goals which you've identified as uh, with dollar amounts and some sort of a schedule in the future when you're going to need those dollars. And you have a system of income, which is coming in the door, be it, you know, be it a business, be it a paycheck, be it two paychecks. And the idea here is to have these pipelines that come from the income over to the the goals. And each goal has to be uh, uh, there has to be a fund for each one of those goals that says, uh, I've got this investments and there's investments making so much, but I need, uh, so much money to be pouring in here per year in order to be able to get to this goal at the allotted time and with a certain amount of money. And that's basically what the financial plan is. So it takes time to lay it out. You have to put together the budget. At least show you where you are today, and at least uh, make a, a stab at where you're going to be in the future. And then you have to uh, say how you're going to allocate uh, money for the present standard of cost of living versus these uh, call them savings that are supporting these other goals in the future. And uh, that's the essence of financial planning, and it gives you a roadmap. It gives you the confidence that. 
Okay, you know where you're, what you're doing, so that when things come up, like oh, I want to buy a boat or I want to uh, let's move to a different house and stuff like that, you can take a look at it and say, well, what do you want to give up to get there? Do you want to give up uh, uh, the kids' education? Do you want to give up uh, certain things? You're going to have to give up something unless unless uh, you're going to suddenly get another job somewhere. So these are these are things that in financial planning, things that you have to uh, basically look at and take care of. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Ali? Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. Spring is coming. Spring is where the world wakes up again. The snow disappears. The temperatures rise. Plants grow. Animals and birds establish their nests and start families. It's a new beginning for the world and for us. So, we have to show life that we have a million reasons to smile. As we grow up, we learn that even the one person who wasn't ever supposed to let us down, probably will. We'll have our hearts broken and we'll break others' hearts. We'll fight with our best friends and maybe you will fall in love with them. And all along the way, what you have to realize is that don't be intimidated. Most of all, live in the moment because every second you spend angry or upset is the second of happiness you'll never get back. You're unique and one of a kind. Your life can be what you want it to be. So go out and challenge the world. And, and until we meet again for more Get Rich Slow next week, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.